The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's 10 minutes after 8. If you've been with us all morning, thanks so much for staying tuned. And if you've just joined us, welcome to AM Live. It is time now for the Forum at 8. Now, society expects that through the experience of imprisonment, inmates will be punished and rehabilitated. Now, the expectation is that they will not commit another crime once released. But besides issues such as overcrowding in prisons, um, there is also a gang culture that we often hear about as it is reported in the media. Um, a numerous beatings, things like male rape and even murder cases that emanate from um, our prisons. But some prisons go into lockdown as early as as 3 or 4 p.m. This after prisoners were perhaps given just an hour, you know, outside of their cells. And even though, you know, some of these uh, conditions have been described, some people still believe that life is probably better in prison. And the reason they believe this is uh, because some of the other stories that get reported. If you look at, uh, for example, the issue of uh, Oscar Pistorius and Radovan Kretscher, remember that picture that appeared in the newspaper and everyone was saying, wow, it must be good in prison. You know, uh, Radovan Kretscher even got to bring his gym equipment into prison. And then um, yesterday there was a report about cell phones being the new currency in prison. Uh, Previously it was something like cigarettes, you know, hard cash, always, you know, good currency. But cell phones now seem to have also come into the fray. And who can forget Jubjub's coital relations? And that was also reported on. So I guess this is why people think that perhaps there is some good life to be had behind prison bars. So we're asking you this morning, is life better behind bars? And if you think it is, why do you think that is the case? Some quote the issue of free education, for example, the fact that people will have three meals a day. But is that taking into account all the other things that happen in prison? So tell us what your views are. 0891-104-208. Our guest this morning, uh, Martin Matlambu, uh, um, and uh, we spoke to Martin uh, previously. He is, of course, an ex-convict and founder of uh, Torserac Foundation, and he's uh, here in our Johannesburg studios. Thanks for coming through once again, Martin. Yes, good morning. And Vanessa Pariachi joins us on the line. She's manager for advocacy uh, and lobby at National Institute for Crime Prevention and the Reintegration of Offenders, NICRO. Thanks for your time as well, Vanessa. Thank you. Now, Martin, let me start with you. Um, when people say that life is better behind bars... And, uh, you know, they quote things, um, anecdotal evidence, like the fact that some people would say they would rather re-offend so that they can go back into prison because it was better there. Is, is, is that the general sentiment as someone who's been there? Do you think it's better inside or outside? Oh, good morning, South Africans. Uh, in fact, life imprisonment has never been good uh, it's smuggling that makes it to change the lives of the prisoners. And the co- corrupt officials make that to be better for the prisoners in prison. But uh, life in prison is not good. Life is good ha- out here. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
but, but, but people say, well, you know, if people have cell phones in prison, which means you can call your family, you can continue your relationship with, uh, you know, your wife or whoever it is that you're in a, in a relationship with, you can conduct your business from inside prison because you're not losing contact with people. So, you know, how does that happen? Yes, when it comes to that, it, like I said before, uh, corrupt officials make it possible for the offenders to have uh, cell phones in prison. And uh, most of the people actually, well, when they go to prison, they used to live with a phone. And without a phone, even when you are here outside, you can't leave. So when he's in prison, he finds like that, okay, people have cell phones, so they, they introduce him to a corrupt official so he starts to befriend that co- that corrupt official and when when let's say for take for instance i have money so you've been in prison for five years and you know every every corner of the prison life so i'm the one who's going to take out money from my pocket from my family and send that corrupt official to go and fetch my uh the biggest laptop, my my uh, was was that the tablet, and bring it in prison, so that I can start to conduct my own business from prison and have my contacts be working. You know, my life goes on whilst I'm in prison. So then it becomes normal for me as well. Then I want to know more about how can I get this from outside. Okay, then th- things come in. So times goes on. I, I know now I need my wife, I need my girlfriend. How can I get her, you know? So this official knows another official who's corrupt, who can make that possible. So eventually it goes. So life becomes comfortable there. So you're saying in prison you can basically get anything you want that you could have on the outside, provided you can pay for it. You pay for it. But where do you get the money from? Let's say I'm a, I'm a business person and you come and visit me as my wife. You have the money outside. I'm in prison. I don't have money. The official is the one who's he's also free. He's also here in prison, but he's a free person. You contact him as, as my wife. You meet him in, in such a place, maybe at the KFC and something like that. Give you money. You know, give the guy money. Then he'll make me live better. Then you know, officials live on a on a on a on a low uh, wages as well. So a person comes and say, okay, here here's ten thousand grand. Uh, just make my life, my husband's life easier in prison for me, please. Mm. But how do you know which officials to approach? You know, uh, in fact, like a woman, you know, when you when you want to uh, you flirt with a woman. You want this lady. You approach her. Oh, hi, baby. Oh, how's it? Then you start to uh, talk, you know. Uh, Then one thing leads to another. Then you start dating, you know. So with the official, you become friends with the official. You talk with the official, you know. Talk stuff, you know. Uh, Please buy me a paper, you know. I'll see you when I get to to the visit. The policeman comes. The water brings the paper to you. So all the time it's like, no, keep the change. So the water, there are times he won't have money and he knows that this guy's got money. So we'll say, okay, kindly borrow me, you know. Okay, no, that's not a problem. Just meet my wife. 
she will give you that five grain, you know. Mm. Then from there, it goes on and on. My friend, you know, I always give you five grains. You know, I always give you this. Please bring me a phone. Then just like that, it goes. And the phone comes in. And the phone comes in. And we're in. talking about phones. You're talking about laptops. Some other stuff. So, so wow. And then is this, you know, uh, does this apply for everyone? Is this really prevalent? Would you walk into a prison cell or, you know, um, a, a, a prison wing and see several cell phones or several laptops? Is it just a free-for-all? Are people just displaying these things openly? No, people hide these things. People hide these things. When the, 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 the lock-up time comes, the waters leave for their homes, and so now the, the, world of, of, the world of prison starts, you know, after 4 o'clock. So everything just comes out, you know. People start to use their phones so freely inside their cells. But, but whilst in, in the daytime, it's not compulsory, you know. You can't even use it roughly because it's not... Uh, a thing that should be there. Mm. It's not wanted in prison, but it is there. But aren't searches conducted to try and locate these things because you're not allowed to have them legally? Legally, you are not allowed to have them. But in prison, it becomes legal after lockup time because you can't see it. The policemen can't see it because inside the cells, you'll find the, the, the prisoners creating their own shacks with, uh, uh, with sheets, you know. They've got their own houses. It's like a home, you know. Create their own houses, close it up. It's a different world. Then when he's alone, he can take out whatever he wants. So the water informs him if there's going to be a strip, a strip search. Oh, soon it's going to be a strip search, you know. Uh, they're talking about these overcrowding of uh, uh, the prison system has got now a lot of phones. So a strip search is going to be conducted. Mm. So you need to make sure that take everything that is not needed and put it in a safe place. And the safest place is where in the office of the WADA, you know, where the other officials, when they come to search, they just come go to the cells. They won't go to the office. So the, the WADA takes the, the phones to the the office mm. so when the strip search is being conducted you they won't find anything so some other stuff uh are, st- are too deep uh there are these on offenders who who don't have money you know mm. uh, they steal phones from other prisoners they rob phones from other prisoners because this thing is not allowed some they've got other ways to do it and it's a difficult thing you know what are those ways? They just put it up their ass. Whoa. Okay. Whilst I collect myself and my thoughts, um, you know, as far as food goes, you know, um, what sort of food, you know, are you served in prison? Food is not bad, in fact, for the prisoners. But... Uh, when I'm from here outside, I've been eating chicken, licking all the time, and this and this and this. Then I will come into prison. Food is not good. So, well, so, so what is a, uh, you know, a, a normal prison meal? What does that consist of? Breakfast, lunch, uh, supper? Breakfast is soft porridge and bread with peanut butter. Uh, butter and differ- differs from prisons. And some tea.
then uh, lunchtime you'll find uh, porridge and uh, cabbage you know half cooked uh, meat maybe a piece of meat like this mm. yeah food is not good in prison but again if you have money you can eat whatever you like yeah those that who have money they don't eat, eat soft porridge you know they don't eat uh, uh, those uh, cabbage and those food uh, present food no they don't eat that they do it their own way you know they will buy food from the cookers of prison and cook food and get some plates two plates from the from the water and some pots get some nice spices from outside and even ask her lady the menu that she used to cook for for him you know then they start cooking make some salads then becomes simple wow. money Okay, I think that gives us, you know, uh, some inkling into the day in uh, the life of a prisoner who has money to buy all these luxuries and um, seemingly just continue living their life as they would on the outside, except for the restriction of movement because they can't go where they like, but they seem to be able to import everything else into those prison cells. Is that DSTV? Yeah. DSTV. Yeah, so no. In fact, in fact, when it comes to the t- to the TVs, uh, they are allowed, you know. But when a person, when I say I, I need my own TV, maybe a plasma, that that TV won't go out. When I leave prison, it has to stay for recreational purposes. How do you get a plasma screen TV into a cell? You no, know, that's legal. You know, oh, so you're allowed? You're allowed. But you can't take it out? You can't take it out again. Oh. It stays for recreational purposes, you know. Okay, so you yeah. can have one brought in for the entire... Yes. But is it... Uh, and you can have DSTV on that as well? Yeah, in other ways, again, maybe. But where I've been, there was no DSTV. Oh, okay. SABC 123. 123 and movies, you know. DVDs, okay. things like that. All right. Um, I must just say I'm, 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 you know, trying to contain my, um, you know, surprise at what I'm hearing here this morning. Uh, but Vanessa Pariachi, you've been listening as well. And, um, you know, uh, working with uh, people, are these the same stories that you hear? I think we're having a very dangerous conversation. I'm a bit concerned about it because I think one needs to look at the statement you talked about in context. And no, our prisons are not okay. If I tell you that 90, you're getting 90 people using one cell or 90 people using one toilet, we don't know how many people, people are, are sometimes taking turns to sleep. Yes, there's drugs. Yes, there's horror stories of gangs, assaults, rapes, desperate overcrowding, um, leaky wash basins, not the right food, 16 hours between um, lunch and then the next meal the next day smell, the cold, um, whatever else, it's not a good place at all. When you talk about all of that money exchanging hands, the smuggling, yes, okay, there's gangs. There's gangs, there's gang leaders, there's a whole prison culture, and that's how it works. But for the majority of people that go into a prison system, it is inhumane. Their dignity is stripped. It's, yes, you have to survive and you have to behave in ways what you're hearing now to survive. Mm. 
and you can either go the under people don't have many choices to survive they'd have to just follow that system or with the warders yes there is corruption like he described there's that grooming stage there's also threats when it comes to gangs threatening warders families so it's a lot of pressure and it's a complex system we cannot so easily and i would be concerned what the public begins to think that prison is a nice place to be and it's not because okay if you're a gang boss and you're used to living in that underworld and living that way um maybe it may be better for you wherever you are but not for the majority so i i would just be cautious about us painting a picture that everything is rosy in prison and there's TVs and it upsets me when that happens because unfortunately that is not the reality yes it's a survival going on and yes there's cell phones getting smuggled in and it's but how they're getting smuggled in is also horrifying where offenders who are vulnerable in a court system get money pushed up or cell phones pushed up them like he described so it's very concerning and i would be concerned that we actually we need to look at our prison conditions mm. in a serious way and maybe if we treated yeah people a little bit more humanely and it's not the majority i mean you get instances where there's great warders there's people who are being rehabilitated but on the whole it's not a very nice place to be Mm. Yes, but and you get privileges, I suppose, mm. if you're a profile prisoner or whatever, and you get a solitary cell or something that could happen. But it's still, it really isn't a nice place to be. But uh, you should be concerned about the smuggling and the corruption and all of that. Mm. That But uh, this is not the first that we've heard of this, you know. Mm. They have been exposés done, and yet it continues. So, 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 oh, 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 is it that the authorities are incapable of dealing with this? Uh, where does the problem seem to lie, Vanessa? Mm. Well, it's a prison. It's a system the world over, the complex prison system, and I think the problem lies in the way we look at punishment and crime and punishment and. I really think we need other solutions. We need to ask ourselves the question is prison working? Yeah, okay, it works for some who some who never vow to go back. But does it work for gangs who go in and out of prison and are able to still conduct their businesses even if they do? No. So something is terribly wrong with the system and Nicol is one of the organizations that actually promotes alternatives to incarceration, especially for those who are going into prison for the first time. Because mm-hmm. I think that kind of environment is a whole total other culture. you become institutionalized into a culture where you have to survive it's not like the world and you have to fit into that system and somehow gangs is a complex problem and how are we going to be able to deal with that but we have to also change try to change the environment and try to see maybe if we treated people more humanely uh, made more restorative kind of spaces in prisons um that's what we're trying to do is it possible that if we change the prison environment a little bit it could make a difference so we need to explore a whole lot of things but right now the prison system is not working um Mm. And then, and especially where, you know what you mentioned, and, and and I'd like to get Martin's um, you know perspective on this as someone who's been there, because there is great worry for people, as uh, Vanessa says, you know, uh, who go into prison for the first time, and um, you know they come up against hardened, um, you know, gang members mm-hmm. in prison, people who've been there for the longest time, who run these institutions, uh, as it were. You know, what sort of things have you noticed in uh, you know on that score? Yes, I, I've noticed that, uh, like she said, in fact, 
prison, as, as she has said, is not right. And the prison system is failing. Why? Most of the life skills are being uh, given to prisoners when they are about to leave prison. And that's the biggest mistake that the system has been doing. Because a, pre- a person comes in from outside, he gets exposed to things like uh, drugs in prison, things like that, you know. He can't rehabilitate himself so so properly. So along the line, he starts to build another life for himself in his own mind and and become something more different than prison uh, offers courses, some other courses, but on a later stage. Mm. So it was going to be better if all those life skills programs were being compulsory to, pre- to offenders who are incarcerated immediately, like now, um, being sentenced now, then it becomes compulsory that uh, there's a life skills program that you need to go through uh, in order for you to start adjusting to prison life so that you can't fall prey to negative stuff, you know. Mm. So, okay, um, uh, we're, we're going to take um, a news break now. Uh, 0891-104-208, that's the number you can call. Uh, this morning we are talking about prisons and, uh, you know, challenging this notion that um, a life is better behind bars. And, you know, we've heard what Martin has said, an ex-convict, and we've heard what Veronica has said from Necro. So what uh, do you make of it? Do you still hold that view that life is better behind bars? We'll take your calls after this break. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we take a look at life in prison and we ask you the question, do you think, uh, do you honestly believe that life is better behind bars? And uh, sharing his story with us uh, this morning is ex-convict uh, Martin uh, Matlamvu and we also have Vanessa Padiachi from Nicro with us. Now, uh, just before we go to the lines, and they are open 891 um, uh, to answer our question and share your views perhaps um, uh, also, you can get in touch with us on SMS on the number 34701. Tweet your Facebook AM Live on SAFM. Or you can also send me an email to sakina at safm.co.za. Um, Martin, I think one of the more harrowing uh, you know, um, ordeals or stories that people hear out of prison is that of rapes that occur. Now, during your time in prison, did you ever witness a rape? Uh, in fact... In these years that have passed, I've never witnessed it with my eye. But I've seen it in 1996 when a young man was snatched at the dining hall with a blanket by the gangs. So by then, the gang, gang, gangs in prison, prison were, too, were, were still uh, ruling the prison system. So, yeah, it was then. So these years, no, I've never witnessed it with my own eye. I've just, I would hear people saying, oh, this young man was raped. Some of the things, it's not rape. Some of the uh, sex that is happening in prison, male-to-male sex, it's a consensual sex. They agree upon that. Uh, The young man being given cigarettes because of the overcrowding, like she said. Mm. And uh, some young men... When he comes out of prison, uh, from, from outside, comes into prison, you know, he, he's innocent. He doesn't know nothing, you know. 
he comes into prison, maybe he, he's got a problem with his family, his family doesn't come to visit him. Then he finds Martin, Martin has got everything. Martin gives him everything because he sees that this young man, you know, he's a yellow bone, you know. So it's not doesn't work with the uh, with the uh, with the gangs anymore these times around. It doesn't say uh, because of the twenty eight, the twenty six, the what what. No, some prisoners who have been there for a long time, they do these crimes. You know, as horrifying. Some yes, like I said, they are they agree on the mm. on, on what to do next because of some the need that the young man is in, is in need of. Vanessa. Mm, on yeah. the on, on the issue of uh, you know a uh, rape in prison i mean you know um obviously something that you would come across uh, but uh, you know as someone who deals with advocacy and lobbying um you know surely this strengthens the resolve to uh, you know basically um advocate for different prisons for uh, you know different categories of uh, offenders at the very least uh, what do you mean in terms of separation in, in yes prison? yes yeah, I think the, the Department of Correctional Services has identified, um, I mean, look, we've been looking at the issue of male rape in prison. It's very much a reality. It still is. Uh, we're dealing with men coming out of prison and having to deal with the psychological impact of that. So, um, the, yes, in the DCS plans, they have put uh, around identifying vulnerable offenders. As Martin mentioned, young men snapped, uh, snatched and all of that. Yes, young people coming in or are, are small-looking are not large enough to defend themselves, who haven't formed an alliance with a gang member or something like that, are vulnerable. And they are supposed to identify who the vulnerable are and try to separate them as possible. So, I mean, that's in, in principle and paper, that's what it is. But whether or not people escape it, no. I mean, I'm petrified when people have to go into prison and families and mothers call not knowing, you know, what's going to happen when they go in. So it's a horrifying experience also for families. Uh, I myself had a family member who had to go through the system as a juvenile, and I followed him every step of the way into a police cell. I phoned every moment that he was there because I knew that there was an opportunity that something could happen to him. So it's it's it's, it's terrible, mm. and it's on the psyche of our people. And I want to come back to, I don't know if you can let me get back to what Martin said about not having programs earlier on. Sure. I think we have to change the way we look at crime. And, Nikro, we follow the principle of restorative justice. When crime happens, uh, there's a damage done to, you know, to people and their relationships. Now, why people get into crime in the first place has to be looked at. We have to start looking at the root causes. Prison does not look at the root causes. Just imprisoning a person does not look at the root causes and prevent them from coming back into the system again. Restorative justice is a powerful way, and it can be done even before prison, to start working, besides dealing with the ter- issues we have in our community of violence and trauma, unresolved trauma, continuous trauma, poverty. There's just so much there that we need to deal with. Children who are being neglected, abused, and those are the very same children who grow up and enter our prison system. So we have to start earlier in terms of what needs to be done. But when a crime happens, restorative justice is powerful in terms of the individual restoration of the offender first, like Martin said, a lot of programming, and then working with families, and then working between the victims. It really brings healing and shifts things within an individual that needs to be done. Mm. Um, The prison system doesn't enhance this at all, but that's why we have to just work with it. 
But we have to change the way we look at the crime and punishment. It just doesn't work to just uh, lock away someone and expect them to just change on their own. And it should start earlier. If a person is sentenced to 20 years, there's an opportunity for 20 years to work with this individual properly. Yes, they have to be motivated, but there's ways. I'm a social worker. I use motivational techniques to motivate a client toward change. And it's how I treat the client. I've been working for 20 years with people in prison. And it's, I've always maintained respect, the dignity, and worth of every human being because there's a gem in every person. And if I've done that, you'd be able to draw out the gold in a person and be able to motivate them to become better people. So beside dealing with all the other psychological difficulties they've had to deal with their whole lives as a result of trauma, violence, abuse. So one, just in changing that, I have seen the change in a person. Well, uh, people are you, human beings mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Indeed. But I wonder if our listeners have changed their minds uh, with regard to the question we are asking after hearing all these stories. Um, uh, do you honestly believe that life is better behind bars? 0891104208. GP, you calling from Middleburg. Good morning. Hello. Hi, GP. Yes, how are you? Well, and you? I'm, 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 I'm glad. Let me not spend uh, more time. But uh, you see, I'm personally from prison. I, I was, uh, I committed a crime in uh, 1996, and was sentenced in 1997 for an armed robbery. I was very young at that age, um, and it must be, it must be said that you know the influence that you get, you see the neglect that you get, like the, the issues that Vanessa and, and your guests are raising there, that, you know, the lack of parenting and the uh, guidance and all those things. So one eventually got trapped, especially with the situation where you get families, uh, you know, that can provide for the young ones and, you know, she, the young one gets vulnerable and neglected. So you get people that are influential in getting you to do things that you know might get you in trouble and I happen to be one of those guys that happen to be involved and, 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 and with people that will push you in the wrong direction and I ended up committing a crime and I was sentenced uh, for eight years I went to Papaton and from Middlebeck to Papaton mm. but you see the life they're explaining there is true um, yeah it's very very traumatizing for, for one to, to to experience that life if, if, if you never actually been to prison and it's the first time and all those things. But you see, what, you, you, you must be punished for what you're doing. The point I'm trying to get into is what is the system doing to help you get out of what you, uh, what you find yourself in. That's where I find the problem with because I've been to pre- I'm, I'm in a middle bit prison, and they just send me to Papa Tone and to Papa Tone. Now they just lock you. You see, the, the process is they lock you up, give you food. They lock you up, give you food. There's TVs, there's everything. You see, and and the life inside, the challenges that are there, those are the ones that will help you. I mean, will make you to 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 sink deeper. Mm. All right. GP, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And I think, uh, you know, basically uh, concurs with what uh, both Martin and Vanessa have been saying about the programs that need to kick in earlier. Uh, but thanks for sharing that with us. Let's go to uh, Miles Budu in Johannesburg. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. 
I'm told by your colleague that we must rubble rouse over our presentation because of time and others that wants to call in. Nevertheless, let me quote something for you here. By becoming a prisoner in South Africa, the prison system condemns you to a to poverty and stigmatizes you to a lifetime member of the criminal class. Close that quote. Day-to-day life in prison differs from the experience, which, of course, is an experience that differs from one person to another person. It all depends where you find yourself. And it's 20 years down the line. And we're still having this topic and this discussion. We will have to ask ourselves, where are we going wrong? You've got Necro there that has been there, and it is older than the oldest political party in South Africa and the oldest political party in the continent and they are still singing the same old song hundred and something years ago now the day-to-day life in prison differs from experience with friends and family which can create a sense of disconnection even between people who are close connected and incarceration creates an imbalance of power financially psychologically and emotionally that despite everyone's best intentions it can be nearly impossible to create and sustain positive across-the-world connections. And in conclusion, there was a Gaten McKenzie who has now become an overnight plastic paper and cardboard millionaire with Kenny Kunene who used this forum to, come, to become what they are today. They once said, those who say prisons are hotels, five-star hotels, it's one or two things. It's either you have never been to a five-star hotel or you have never been to prison. And... The editor of your station must invite people like us and others who want to speak from the heap upwards and not sugarcoat and honeydew what is happening in our const- in our institutions. I thank you, Sakina. Thank you, Miles Budu. And uh, yeah, I again, I guess it challenges that notion that people do think that life is better behind bars. Uh, Temba, are you calling from Sun City? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? Thanks for taking my call. Which Sun City is this? Uh, you know the, uh, the, the prison here by Naturina, Johannes, yeah. Johannesburg. Johannesburg, Christmas Yes. Right. I'm unlawfully incarcerated with a forged warrant here, and uh, whenever I file for crimes that I never commit, now when I file the notice of motion, impeccable filing of the notice of motion in the High Court of Johannesburg, there's a lady by the name who masqueraded as a prosecutor there by the name of Namika Kaulas, who is who, who called herself as advocate prosecutor. She is there deployed as a, as a, as a, as a, as a proxy to, to, to safeguard any document that, that reflects Temba Lavana and delete it from the computer. Now, I can't file any motion. I was sent in the absentia. The, being in Johannesburg awaiting trial. Now I want uh, the justice must be done to me because now I'm sitting there and my children are crying and my children are faked as, uh, as, as victims. So now I'm very worried, I'm very perturbed about the corruption that is mm. happening. I mean, w- w- without getting into the merits of your case, uh, Temba, so uh, you have a cell phone, you have access to a cell phone, um, you know, what are the conditions like there for you right now? I'm phoning from the public phone now. Oh. This is the public phone. There's a, there's a public phone that we use here. Okay. So now, that is what. But now, we, that is not what we should dwell on. We should dwell on what happened about the corruption. 
don't worry about don't, about how I phone to you. You must worry about what happened, the crime that is committed by me. That lady Namika Kaulasi is there, deployed, posted as a proxy. Who who's guarding for my any notes of motion that I filed there? He, she deleted from the computer. And I have okay. done an investigation about this lady. I have traced this lady. This lady does not appear. All right. Uh, come here. Listen, listen. Yeah, this but Temba, I, ca- I, can't, I can't get into the merits of your case. I mean, uh, the, the, that's something that we have absolutely no control over. So we're going to have to let you go. Uh, but as you say, we shouldn't worry about how you get to call. We actually do. We are concerned. We are, uh, you know, going to question where you are calling from, whether you have the right to have that Martin was telling me a story off air about a guy who had shoved a cell phone up and the cell phone started ringing and vibrating in him, inside of him. And they were all sitting and watching him as this thing was vibrating. I mean, horror upon horror, some of the stories we have to hear. Um, Anonymous in Cape Town, good morning. Uh, hello, Sakina. Hi. Yes, yeah, speaking to Anonymous in Cape Town. Uh, actually, I'm 32 years old. I'm a student. I'm a political science student here at the UCT. Uh, in 2012, when I was 19, I was in prison. I'm a former Scorpion gangster in... Oh, let me not mention the air. Uh, I was in prison in, in Westville. In Westville. You know, like, the, it, it depends. Because uh, for me, uh, it, it was easy for me because I was a former... I, I was a gangster at the time, so my homies were, well, I, found, I found my homies there inside, so uh, it was easy for me, and life was good. In prison? Yes, it was good, yes, uh, if you can speak Inobol, and I knew that language, that, uh, if you know Inobol. Uh, yes. Uh, life is easy. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, so thanks, Anonymous, uh, because there's an email, uh, an SMS here from someone who says, I'm an inmate and I'm serving a life sentence for a crime I did not commit. But now I have learned more about crime. I've joined the 26 gang, but I can't wait to come out. So, yeah, we'll continue listening to these stories. Siswe uh, Eteguini, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and I'm calling you from the freedom of my office. <laughs> Look, good I, morning, Zizwe. I, I, uh, yes, again, I think it's a fallacy to even uh, think that life in prison could be e- could be easy or an entertainment. First of all, your freedoms have been taken away. Somebody decides when you eat. Somebody decides when you wake up. Somebody decides when you go out and see the sun. So I think this notion that uh, that that's uh, because of corruption, life is easy in prison. I think it's it's a fallacy. I think what rather we should be focusing on is to bring the correctional services department to come to the studio and explain to us what measures are they taking to fight corruption in prison. Because first is security. Prisoners cannot bring all these things by themselves. It's because of the warders who are helping the prisoners to bring these things in. So the mm. corruption that is taking place in the prison system is not is a two way is a two way corruption. There is always a corrupter and a corruptee. The prisoner is corrupting the warder and the warder is corrupt as well. 
So I think the biggest issue for me here is not that we must not give this notion that we are giving our kids that the life is nice in prison. There is no nice life in prison. You can't do lots of things in prison. You can't. You can't even make. You can't. You can't see your your friends. You can't see your family. It's a difficult life, and it's meant to be like that because you are being punished because you have robbed society of something. So I think the issue here should be rather corruption. How do we eradicate corruption in our prison system? That's an issue for me. Mm. Thanks so much, uh, Cesar. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Uh, talking about a life behind bars and questioning what people uh, usually say that it is better behind bars. Well, is it really? Manelisi Wolela, spokesperson for Correctional Services, is calling. Good morning. Mr. Hey, good Wolela. morning for the opportunity. You're welcome. Hello, Sakina. Yes, yes, we listen. Yeah. I can hear All right, we, we, we seem to have a problem with that uh, line uh, for uh, Mr. Manelisi Wolela, but uh, we'll perhaps give him, um, and him an opportunity to speak to us uh, maybe tomorrow or so for his input on this. But I want to read just a few quick uh, SMSs uh, before uh, we wrap it up. Uh, Gerald from East London says, We did a project at a prison near Queenstown some years ago, and I noticed a graph on the prison population in an office, and I asked why it peaked over winter. The official told me that during winter, persons would wait until a police van drove past them and they would throw a brick through a shop window in order to get back into prison for the three meals a day, a warm bed and free medical, etc. Anonymous says, my husband is serving a 25-year sentence and I send him money via ShopRite Money Market. Now, how is he going to get that? Obviously, the, the, the warder will collect it. And she says, he says, life without money in prison is very difficult and is the, it is survival of the fittest. And yes, it is better behind bars, but only if you have money. Wayne in East London says, um, I was in prison and if you are poor, It is like living in a hotel. There's free electricity, there's food and hot water. And if you have money, you can buy anything. Prison officials are so corrupt and you can buy anything from them. That's from Wayne. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. 30 seconds, Martin. Yes. Uh, I I I would say uh, the prison system needs to introduce the restorative justice. In order for us to change the life of the prisoner and the life of the offender and the life of the of the of the victims as well outside, because crime is affecting our country, we need to hold hands to stop this crime and this corruption in our presence and and, and find a way out. Vanessa, I think we need to create alternatives for incarceration. We need to put uh, efforts into early intervention, like I talked about unresolved trauma and all of that. We look prison models use of restorative justice as a dominant criminal justice paradigm that addresses harms and addresses causes and respect the dignity and worth of every, every human being. I think those are just some of the things we need to really look at. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much uh, to our guests this morning, uh, Martin Matlambu and Vanessa Padiachi. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.